Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we're doing Free Rider Friday. But Ed, I think I have a feeling I know what that means. I mean, this is like live from lockdown. <laughs> I mean, it's been such a slow about? news day. It's been yeah. such a slow news week. News, news week. Nothing going on. It's just really boring. No. Well, I'll start out with this. As you know, the House passed the 2.2 trillion stimulus package and i heard jonah make i feel very stimulated i feel yeah, very stimulated I, <laughs> I heard jonah goldberg make a great point this is such the wrong term for this this is not a stimulus package this is a life support package he says it's the difference between oxygen and cocaine <laughs> and i think that's a really good point it is a good point. I, I'm still skeptical of whether or not the cash infusion into the economy right now is what we need. I think that might be a little bit from a delay perspective to, to be better. But, you know, I, look, this is almost everything that's going on right now and in, in, is, is almost in direct relation to the show we did last week on the precautionary principle. Yep. And and that is following politicians' logic, right? The pre the premise are the premise is as follows: A, we must do something. B, my proposal is something. C, therefore we must do it. Yep. And what do they like and like more than spending money? That's what they do. Well, sp other people's money. And look, I think this this certainly is going to help some people out. For sure, there probably will be businesses that will be saved because of this. And like any kind of stimulus package, it's great politics because they 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 can say after the fact, well, see what we did and it worked. And if and if it doesn't, they can say, well, we should have just spent more. Yeah, or we didn't pass it soon enough and didn't get the cash mm -hmm. into the people's hands quick enough and all that. But it it does seem to be a pretty interesting mix. You know, the uh, the CARES Act, so-called, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. Don't you love how they come up with these acronyms? Well, uh, I think that's why they couldn't pass it until they had the solid acronym. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it is a mix, though, of different things. For small businesses, corporations are obviously in there. Uh, you know, they're getting up to, what is it, uh, 500000 or 500 billion and in, in loans or something for like the airlines and other you know there's hotel relief and uh all of that but there's also increases to unemployment benefits of six hundred dollars per week on top of what it is normally in in the states and that's that's big because mm. there are three million unemployment claims filed uh last time i looked this might have been as of yesterday I don't know if we have today's numbers yet, but um, that's a lot. I think that's yeah. a, that's a record breaker in our history. And uh, there's deferral of payroll taxes, and you know, you can. I, I do agree with the um, 
penalty-free distributions from your retirement plans up to a hundred grand. Of course, that's going to be taxable when you pull it out, I believe, unless they're letting you extend that. I'm not sure. I didn't dig into the, you know, the details of some of the tax changes. There's net operating loss carry back. So, you know, that that'll get some people immediate refunds. So CPAs are cranking. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be relied on even more as a result of all these massive changes, at least to the tax aspects of this, because some of them are very complicated. They deal with the alternative minimum tax and the credits. You can accelerate those credits. Uh, so it's just really interesting. The the mix of, because it's really hard to know, you know, what sectors are, are being hit the hardest and which ones can weather the storm better than others. It's just, it's impossible to know. So we're kind of flying blind here. It's really hard to model this stuff. Well, let me, let me ask you a little bit about, especially about that airline one and the, whatever it is, 500 billion, 50 billion. It's a, it's a, it's a big number that we can't comprehend. So it really doesn't matter what number I say. And the, it is 500 billion, 500 billion. Okay. Did I have this right? That there was, because the airlines have been purchasing stock back for, Oh, the better part of a decade now yep. and really have sucked out virtually 90% of their available cash doing that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you can imagine, Ed, I have, uh, and we probably won't even get to this until the bonus show, but stock buybacks are getting beat up and there's no reason for this. Um, stock buybacks are a way to return money to shareholders so it can be freed up to go into other growth areas. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. What I'm disputing is going so far as to not, as, as to, as to hurt your cash flow. That's all. Right. But, but, but it really doesn't. I mean, it's, 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 it's really the company telling the shareholders, Hey, look, we don't have many areas to invest in with all Mm -hmm. this money. And so we figure that we'll give it back to you. It's kind of like a dividend and you put it where you think the growth areas are. And airlines are certainly in that category. Now, you can you can can you uh, criticize them for not having a rainy day fund and all that type of thing? Yeah, but look, h- how many of us anticipated something like this happening so quickly? It's never it's unprecedented. No, I I get that, but they're they're paid to do that. They have economists on staff. They they, they should be thinking about risk profile events. That's what they're supposed to be doing. I I just think that look if. If we don't bail them out, what's going to happen? Are the planes going to st- stop flying or are they going to be recapitalized and reconstituted under a, a different name, possibly with better service? I, you know, I, I just I just don't think all of that goes away. I've heard this, the same arguments, for, for example, with Boeing. And look, Boeing was a company that I know you and I both admired, and I, I but I've, I've lost a lot of respect for them. I think they handled the 737 MAX thing horribly. Yeah, they did. No, it was a classic example of the finance guys dictating over the engineers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and trying to meet their spreadsheet targets. Uh, so I agree with that. And I'm not a big fan of bailing out corporations, as you know. Um, and yeah, I do, you know, United, American, they, they'd go under, they'd probably be reconstituted under new ownership. There's still planes there. None of the infrastructure is gone. The routes are there. The planes are there. All the ground equipment's there. It would just be new ownership, hopefully better management. Um, but the the best libertarian argument, conservative argument I've heard, Ed, for this situation is the takings right. clause. You know, the government yep. forced people to shut down and they owe them compensation. 
Um, now, look, we are the government. The government has no resources of its own. So of all the resources it gets, it gets from the private economy. So all we're doing here is, you know, robbing Peter to pay, play, uh, pay Paul. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm less concerned about that as I am, okay, it's $2.2 trillion today we passed. Are we going to need another $2 trillion in another month or two if this goes on? Uh, where do you stop this? And what happens to the ratchet effect? Well, where do we flatten the curve on the debt? Yeah. Um, and it's not even the debt. It's the spending that bothers the spending. me. That's it's right. the spending. Because that's real resources from the economy. I mean, any type of credit or borrow, you only borrow for one reason. And that is to access resources. Right? You want to buy equipment. You want to hire human capital. Right? You're accessing real economic resources from the economy. The money is just the way we, we access it. That's really what this is about. And since the government produces no resources of its own, whatever it spends, it takes out of the private sector. And that's a big problem. And I just, you know, if this becomes the new normal or there's provisions in this bill that become the new normal, that could be a real problem. That said, there are some provisions that are really good. Suspending occupational licensure laws so doctors can practice across states is a really good thing. Uh, the, uh, they, they've uh, deregulated some of the trucking regulations to let truckers stay on the road longer so they can get these needed supplies to, you know, these hot areas. Um, and it, hopefully, the, even, even something as silly as letting, you know, Uber Eats and DoorDash deliver booze. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Because these poor restaurants, you know, they, they make their money on the booze, not selling pizza and sandwiches. Right. So if they can send a six-pack along... That's going to help them even more. And those regulations have been uh, eased up to let uh, home delivery of alcohol. So those are all good. And I hope those last. But there's probably a lot of things that um, (laughs) you and I probably wouldn't like, I would imagine. Well, and those are great examples of removing laws that probably should have been removed long ago anyway. Right. And and if and if and if if that's the result of this long term, I think that's great. Yes. The local pizza place sent me a coupon this morning for yes, they'll deliver me a pizza and a and a half price bottle of wine, by the way, which I thought was interesting because they're still making a profit on it. Yep. Usually the markup is what, 60, 70 percent. Yep. If not just doubled. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah, as yeah. A, but but in, in in any case, you know, so I think that those are those are good strategies that some some businesses are are putting in place to to be able to do that, and and good on them. I I I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I'm very conflicted about this. I I, I get the takings argument. It's a good argument. I'll agree with that. That it's a good one. Do, does it still create long term moral hazard? for the next time something like this happens, or as you say, for a month from now, that, that remains to be, be seen. And I, and I guess I'll just, just have to wait that one out. So that, that's my bigger concern is what does this do from a precedent standpoint, both for a future event and just as you said, for next month. I share that concern. In fact, I was just listening to NPR before we went live and somebody said, well, this is the same thing as climate change that we've all been uh, warning about. Now, why can't we have the same type of emergency response to that? (laughs) That's the kind of stuff that scares me. Yep. Uh, No, and, and, and that argument, I've heard that argument made as, as early as two days ago. And that that's, that's depressing because what they should be taking from this is the exact opposite. Look at the devastation that it's caused in such a short period of time. And 
just like the coronavirus, we don't we don't know the the impact of the devastation to the economy yet. We have no idea. And uh, any and and that is uh, my, my my bet is that's far more complicated a, a thing to try to model out than the spread of coronavirus. And of course, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and J.P. Morgan have all got models on this, and we'll talk about this after the break, Ed. But some of the numbers that they're even the lower end of these numbers in terms of the GDP decline for the second quarter of 2020, pretty scary and historically unprecedented. So we'll, we'll get into that after we take our break, folks. Uh, this is just flying by as we knew it would, Ed. Um, if you want to get a hold of Ed or me, send us an email to ask, TSOE at Verisage.com. Go out to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE to rate the show. And if you write something up, we'll read it on the air. Now we want to hear from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday, but Ed, unfortunately, that means COVID-19 probably for the whole show, <laughs> even though I do have other things I, I, I want to talk about. But let's let's talk about some of these economic forecasts. It's the best we have. Um, and I'll just, I'll give you the highest. Morgan Stanley is anticipating a 30% decline um, in GDP for the second quarter, while Goldman Sachs has 24% and JP Morgan estimates a 14% decline. This is in the second quarter of this year. Uh, this, these would be the largest decline since 1947. The next largest was a 10% decline in the first quarter of 1958. Um, 
And of course, this scenario assumes the U.S. lockdown are gradually lifted by May and we return to normalcy uh, levels of mobility and gatherings by June. Um, but this is a big hit. This is a big hit, especially if they're right. You know, Tyler Cowen and Russ Roberts talked about 20% unemployment. I've, I've heard uh, as high as 25%. Those are certainly Great Depression levels. And what this, there's a JP Morgan article out there that talks kind of about the history of some of these uh, prior historical events that are similar to this, although they're not viruses. And you have to kind of go back to Germany and Japan uh, and China's great leap forward to find this type of destruction to an economy. Now, that was a result of war in Germany and Japan and, and self-inflicted uh, stupidity on, on Mao's part in China. But what, what this article points out is that in 1945, 20% of Germany's housing stock was destroyed. Its food production was cut in half uh, from 1938 levels. Its industrial production went down by about a third. Even its caloric intake was around 1,250 calories per day. We average about 3,600 per day in the U.S. of A. Um, Japan has similar numbers. And the thing they pointed out was it took these economies about a decade to return um, to natural levels. They also pointed to Iran and Peru. Uh, those took 13 or 15 years to recover from like the Shining Path movement in Peru. Um, and I guess as I think about this in terms of the knowledge economy, I would say our comeback here is going to be quicker um, than certainly devastation from a war because we are a knowledge economy. We're not an industrial economy anymore. Our infrastructure hasn't been you know, decimated. Um, it's just a matter of you know, getting things back to normal and we can work together again and get production up and running. But, but what are your thoughts on that? I would agree with your assessment, except I would also say we just don't know. We, we, don't, we don't know if you can put the economy into a state of stasis, which is effectively what's been done, and have it restart and come out as quickly as we would anticipate. I would hope so. I would think so, based on my understanding and all of the things that you just said. There's really been no change to infrastructure. We haven't, we haven't buildings haven't been blown up. Uh, we, we still have the air, airways and railway systems, but I, I, I just think that we just don't know what that restart is going to be like, because it, it really is unprecedented in, in, in what this happened, at least with war, then war is terrible. Don't get me wrong, but we, we've got precedent, right? We've got something we can point back to this. We just don't. I'm hopeful. I'm as you know, a possibilitarian. So I'm willing to, 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 to take that as, yeah, I think we, we can do this, but I think we're going to learn some things that are completely unexpected. And I hope one of those unexpected things that we learn is not that, you know what, you can't do this. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work well. Yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 uh, I, and I am of the opinion that it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. The question is, you know, what does that timeline look like? But Another interesting thing pointed out in this article is you can go back to the Civil War where we lost six times the number of people as we did as a percentage of the population from World War II. I mean, the U.S. Civil War was just devastating, and the South, especially in the South where they lacked you know, food and clothing, and you know, there, was, there was no federal government aid back then. And farm production, Ed, farm income rebounded by like 19 in the middle of 1868. 
So a couple years, three years or so after the war, they were back to where they were pre-war status. And that's pretty remarkable when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is remarkable. Well, but I, I want to jump, Ron, to, to, to something that I, I read actually just this morning. And I, I'm not a big fan of the author of this. I, I think that uh, she tends to be more of a flamethrower. But this was a column that Ann Coulter published two days ago on the, on the 25th. And the, mm -hmm. the title of it is How Do We Flatten the Curve on the Panic? Now, again... Not a, not a huge Ann, Ann Coulter fan, but I think she does have some a, a, a couple of good points in here. What, one of them is, is that if you're an epidemiologist, you're doing the exact right thing. That, this is what you're supposed to be doing. That, that you're, you're applying your area of expertise and saying this is all of these worst case scenarios and applying them. The problem is, and this is the challenge for leaders, whether they be presidents, governors, or just your local county, is that you have to listen to more than one area of expertise. Yep. And, and I think that that is really the challenge. So I just want to share this story that Coulter writes about here. And it's a, so this is quoting from the end of the article. Playwright Arthur Miller once told a story about a geologist who remarked that life was possible even in the vast American desert. All you needed was water, he said. The largest re reservoir on the globe was located right under the Rockies. But how would you get at it? Simple, drop a couple of atomic bombs. But what about the fallout? Oh, said the geologist, that's not my field. Right. And, and I, so the, the, the question is a very serious one, is the epidemiologists are, are effectively nuking the American economy to kill the virus, and that's their job. I've, yep. I, I'm, that's what they're supposed to do. But we need some kind of a balance to understand that we don't know, you know, it, it, it's not their field to understand the economic side of this. And I, I, and I believe it's a far more even complex model than the viral model. model. Uh, so uh, I, I think I'm repeating myself, but we, ju we just don't know. And that, that's a little scary to me. Well, I think that's one thing that makes me uh, really happy that we live in a free society with freedom of speech you know, protected by the first amendment where mm -hmm. we can have dissenting points of view. And you, you, let's face it, this is what politicians are there for. They're there to make these trade-offs. They have mm -hmm. to weigh the health of the people with against the health of the economy because the health of the economy is to some large degree, the health of the people, right? I mean, if we devastate our economy, that's going to create all sorts of deaths and other problems that, are just as probably severe as the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And those trade-offs have to be made by the president, by the Congress, by governors in each state. And let's face it, we're a tapestry of different states with different, there's different hotspots. Obviously, if, if you're in Park Avenue, New York, you're going to have a very different experience with this than if you were, say, in South Dakota or Montana. Mm -hmm. Why should Montana have to shut down? If, I, 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 didn't, I haven't looked it up. Maybe you can, but Montana, what, has five cases or something? It's not a lot. Mm -hmm. Should we shut down their economy too? I mean, I, I think this is why the Easter kind of date that Trump put out there probably makes some sense. Like, hey, maybe we can ease some of this come that time for those areas of the country that aren't, you know, quote unquote, these hot spots like Louisiana, New York, Seattle, California, L.A., 
Right. Um, just one size doesn't fit all in this economy. There's no way it could. Why is why do we think the top top down directives are going to be are, are the right thing to do? And no, I, and I I I agree with that. And look, the, the, again, when and we made this point last week on the regular show and also the bonus episode, the the the, the numbers that we have are they're not great numbers. I mean, the, the, meaning meaning the, the 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 numbers that we're basing these decisions on. And, you know, I, I saw somebody post today because we surpassed China yesterday. And I think we're I think we just went over 100,000 cases now, active cases in the United States. And people, well, how you know what China was able to fix it because they shut down their entire economy. Well, actually, no, they didn't. They shut down the one province pretty much. And yes, they they were extraordinarily restrictive and not letting people leave their homes. But for 30 minutes or so where they were able to gather supplies that the, the government would put out. But I, if you believe the numbers coming out of China currently, you're insane. <laughs> yeah, and that would include, by the way, the numbers coming out of the WHO, right? The World uh -huh. Health Organization. Uh, some outfits, uh, a university, a couple of universities don't even rely on them anymore. They say there's way too many errors. Yeah, it was Oxford that stopped using WHO data um, as reported in fee. Uh, this is Oxford-based group stops using WHO data for coronavirus uh, in fee from uh, March 25th. Yeah, I mean, it, we're, we're relying on this data. And like that one epidemiologist from Stanford said, he says, we have a denominator problem here. Mm -hmm. We don't know the cases that are asymptomatic. You could have this thing and, and not be affected at all and recover. And just before we went live, I just did a rough calculation. I mean, we've had 586,835 worldwide cases, and there's been roughly 27,000 deaths, which is around 4.6%, but 132,440 have recovered. Now that's 23%. And as those recoveries go up, that means there's herd immunity starting. And herd immunity is basically the dead end for the virus. And we need herd immunity too to combat mm -hmm. this. I know we want a vaccine. We're working on that. Hopefully that'll come in line seven, eight, nine, ten months. But in the meantime, herd immunity is important because as this thing Ataniel Epstein pointed this out in his article, Richard Epstein, as it attacks the most vulnerable people first, then it becomes less virulent. And then it goes on to relatively healthier people, the young or people that don't have corn uh comorbidity issues and it because and then you develop this herd immunity to it and then once you get it and recover you're pretty safe from it unless it comes back in various strains and that's another thing we don't know yet too correct yeah we don't know that so my, my point is is the the number as and this is this is very morose but the, the number that i look at it day to day is is the number of new deaths Yep. And we currently to, today sit, at, and this is my numbers according to the worldometers.info site. I know there are others out there. This is just a one. I think that this and a couple of others have been deemed to be pretty reliable. Johns Hopkins there, and they all have fairly similar numbers. They do. So, so we, so we sit right now at, at 248 people passed away today. Uh, this, the numbers theoretically reset in about three and a half hours. Cause it's, it's midnight. London time. Right. So we'll have, we'll have to see, but 248 is less than yesterday, which was 268. The day before that was 247. The day before that was 225. So it was, the death rate was going up 
but not incrementally, not 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 really jumping as as much as the other things. But number of cases was going through the roof, and right. that had to do with with the increase in testing. Absolutely. So I, I I think that was really the one of the keys. Anyway, well we're up against our middle break here, Ron. This is probably the fastest show we've ever done, and we say that every st- stupid time. But man, this one really just is going by. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes and previews to upcoming shows. We also are out there on Twitter at asktsoe. I do have some some things that I'm going to pass along from some of our Twitter fans who direct message me as to what's going on in Moscow right, with, with regard to the virus. But right now, a word from our sponsor. TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are talking baseball here on the Soul of Enterprise. No, we're not talking baseball. That would, would much to. Uh, I'm sure. The I wish Greg we LaFalle were. Pretty happy. I, yeah, wish I wish we, we were. were talking. Let me, yeah, let me just say that. I know. I know. <laughs> well, so I had something to go into, but since I came back with that segue, let me do this one first, Ron, and and I'll ask our listeners too, and we can perhaps start a a, a Twitter. Uh, poll or or some kind of a contest to see what people people think of the answer to this question how many games constitute a season for major league baseball like what there's no right answer to this 
So now the fewest number of games that the MLB has ever played was in 1994, and they played about roughly 114 games per team. So the question is, is when would Major League Baseball have to come back and how many games would they have to have in order for fans to say, okay, th- uh, we, we can trust that? Because you can't, you can't, they can't just play 20 games and then let's go to the playoffs. Right. Right. So the, 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 the question is, how many games constitute a season? Now I have, and I have a, I have a number that I, here's, and here's my justification. I think it's 81. And there's two reasons for this. One, that is half a full season which is 162 games. And the other thing is, is that it, it's, it's right. It's a good baseball number, right? So it's three, three outs to an inning, three, three squared is nine, which is nine innings in a game. Nine squared is 81. So 81 is your season total. So there's my, there's my minimum season number and my logic for it. Gotcha. No. You think it'll happen? I don't know. I, I, I think I did see that the, the Major League Baseball Players Association and the owners did come to an agreement on salaries and how they're going to handle most of this, uh, in, including in terms of duration of service and whether people qualify for free agency, uh, because usually that has to do with the, the certain number of games played. So I think they've come to that agreement. And I think the biggest part of the agreement was realizing that if they didn't come to agreement, that people were really going to be pissed if we were talking about millionaires versus billionaires and them trying to wor- worry about their little squabbles as to how, you know, baseball was going to happen. Cause it would be really bad PR for them not to, not to fix this really quickly. Right. Right. So interesting. anyway, they did come to an agreement. I, and I'm, as, I, but I wanted to, what I really wanted to talk about Ron is I had a, a, a fun, direct message Twitter chat with listener and attendee of the Verisage Down Under event, Dimitri, who's in Moscow. And he is a really funny guy. And it's, it's, it's really, it's hysterically funny. And one, one of the things that he, he talked about, I thought that this was great, is that there was a, they, they actually had a, 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 a newscast where the, the mayor of Moscow had ordered people older than 65 to stay at home because how they're handling it is they are looking at to say, if you're in the high risk group, stay home. That's, that's their strategy. And one journalist had the guts to ask the press secretary. So will, will Putin obey the order? (laughs) Because he's over 65. (laughs) Oh, there's a quick trip to the gulag. Uh, But apparently it's, it's a fair question, Ed. Boris Johnson in the UK just tested positive. Uh, no, I know. And Prince Charles. So, yeah. you know. You Justin gotta, Trudeau, gotta... his wife has it. I know. So, so anyway, but it, it says Putin Putin says, no, he, he, uh, he will not because he's on a special task force mission. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> okay. Which is good. But I did want to mention this because I think this is really interesting. The, I asked him, so what, what, are, what are they doing? He said that they are they're paying 70 roughly 70 dollars us to adults over 65 if they stay at home for the next 14 days so they are doing the check thing but i guess it's through their social security system whatever their the right. the, the, the russian equivalent yeah, yeah. pension system is but i thought that it's, it, this is this is the carrot versus the stick approach yeah. and you know, it, it will be interesting to be seen. Again, not that you can trust the numbers coming out of Russia, I suppose, but you can't trust the numbers coming out of the CDC or, or the U.S. anyway. 
So but, you know, I just we, think it's if interesting. We, if we targeted it like that, based on what we're spending, we could, we could put the seniors up in, you know, five-star hotels and serving beluga caviar every day with mm -hmm. champagne. I mean, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> right. If you're 65 and older, please find the nearest four seasons. <laughs> I do go back to this herd immunity thing, Ed, because I've been reading a lot about it and it, and it does seem to be some of the antidote to this. And, and what I'm really frustrated about is nobody's talking about it. You kind of really have to dig uh, amongst the news story. I mean, news stories don't cover it. You have to mm -hmm. go to epidemiologists or, you know, others like Richard Epstein talked about a little bit and others have talked about it, but it's not widely covered or understood, but there is something to letting you know the healthier people get this thing because it's going to be mild and they're going to get over it and then they're going to be immune to it and that's what builds up a herd immunity not that right. we want the older people to die says you know this is a big trolley problem <laughs> and, and and you know maybe well, let's see. We'll yeah, shift to that story okay <laughs> yeah it, probably in the bonus episode because that's a whole nother i thought that was another great analogy like the takings, I thought that the trolley problem was really interesting. But look, one great piece of news, and, and I know this has been floating around the internet, Dyson has invented a ventilator that they're going to go into production with. And GM and some of the automobile companies are starting to make them. Um, there was talk for a while that CPAP machines could be used in emergencies for ventilators. Now, I've since learned that the manufacturers, and because there's 5 million CPAP machines, you know, for mm. sleep apnea sitting yep. on, on nightstands, you know, around the country. But the manufacturers say at least one did that. No, these machines really aren't designed to be ventilators for this type of thing. They would have to be mm -hmm. modified or at least administered under, you know, closed doctor attention. Uh, right. But, but that is something that could also be shifted. And, and, and that story out of uh, Ireland that they came up with an open source hardware project to prototype a 3D printed ventilator was really cool as well. Um, that that yeah. came out of TechCrunch, that article in TechCrunch, Greg, it was. And uh, I thought that was really neat. But yeah, GM, Ford, and Tesla are starting to produce ventilator equipment. Oh, well, I saw that thing on, on Dyson and... People, of course, praising him and well-deserved. I think that if he stepped up to the plate and did it. But my my question that I've asked on, I think I've posted this four or five times because I've seen that story a number of different places. So my question, though, is, is well, after 18 months of FDA approval, maybe? Well, <laughs> supposedly they're starting to ease some of these regulations on approvals of, of these types of devices, just like they uh -huh. did with the trucking and the other stuff. But, you know, that remains to be seen. Bureaucracy is bureaucracy. Yeah, and and that's the point that I wanted to cover next, which which is about the the whole CDC and FDA really, pardon my French here, screwing the pooch on on the 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 test kits. Yeah, and to me, this is this is the thing that if 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 I do want government spending money, I want it I want it on things like um, make making sure that they can give us accurate data. And of course, you know, the government tried to said that they were going to do this all on their own. And no, we don't need any help, even though I think three different companies had had put into practice the ability to produce these test kits and they shut them all down, said, nope, you can't do that because the FDA is not going to certify it. We will. We are the CDC. We're the ones who will handle it. The first kit that they came up came up with was was wrong, gave you know something stupid like 50 percent uh, incorrect 
yep. um, answers, right? Or the p- false, po- false negatives too, right? Yes, so yes. for people who had it, false negatives, including my cousin in New York, by the way, oh, who has since who has since recovered. Well, he's not fully recovered. He would be he would be listed in the seriously ill. He is home from the hospital. But they told him that he just had double pneumonia. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, we, we should retest you. Oh, yeah, there you go. Jeez. Oh, so he did have pneumonia and then this on top of it, which is why his case was so serious, even though he's in his, I guess, mid late, late forties. But, but, he, but, you know, but here, here's, here's the thing is why did they stop the, the, the FDA from approving these other, other test kits, including home test kits, which as I believe, as of yesterday, they're still saying they don't want people collecting their own data and sending it in to certified labs. They just don't want us to do our own collection. Yeah. And I, you know, I've heard the argument that we don't, you know, home kits, you're not going to administer it properly because apparently to do the swabs, you have to go pretty far up your nose. I mean, almost like down your throat. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, but you know, so and, what? And, <laughs> and didn't they release these? Didn't they kind of ease up on these regulations? February 28th or 29th, even something like that. It was really late in the game. Very late why, in the game. And that's why we start to see, you know, more and more cases because the tests are finally starting to roll out. They have drive up tests, you know, in various places and whatnot. You've probably seen the pictures. Um, well, and here's my, my, my point with this, and I've made this too, because th- then your the, the, the Facebook crowd goes immediately into, well, it's Trump's fault, or alternatively, it's Obama's fault, or, <laughs> you know, and, and, and like, like, I'm just, I, I'm sorry here. This is just the nature of bureaucracy. It is. It, 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 I don't world. think this would have, would have been significantly different if, if Hillary Clinton had won the White House in 2016. And everybody's like, well, but Trump, uh, you know, he, 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 uh, he eviscerated and used the word decimated, actually decimated the CDC. I said, well, his proposed budgets were reductions, but none of them passed. passed. And all the ones yeah. that he signed actually were increases. His, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that goes back to the logic of federal government. A cut is actually a reduction in the growth. I mean, even even uh, Trump's budget probably didn't didn't actually cut oh. the, the level of it was probably a reduction in growth reduction in growth and what, what whatever point being is it did it that didn't happen but it, you know the, the, but then you have people on the, on the trump side you know saying that that uh that that andrew cuomo had had the, had the opportunity to request 1500 ventilators in 2016 and never did turns out like the, if you re, really read through the, the the details of that story and this by the way was reported by uh, Jonah Goldberg's outlet the dispatch so this is not you know MSNBC right this is a conservative organization that is saying no that that's not what it says he's he's taking completely out of context and misreading the the, the report yeah yeah no there's a lot of gamesmanship one-upsmanship and you know, personal insults going back and forth and then praise, you know, one day it's praising the president or the governor and the next day it's bashing them for this or that. It's, just, it's politics. Politics you know? as usual. Politics yeah, as usual. Yeah. Really frustrating. Uh, all right. Well, up against our last break and want to remind you that the place to get a hold of us is asktsoe at verisage.com. That email will go to both of us. Rate this podcast.com slash TSOE too rate this podcast we love and we love hearing from you please send those emails in we love to discuss them uh, but right now a word from our sponsor and my employer sage 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of March, and Ed, I have to do a mea culpa. All right. Uh, we talked about a New York Times article a few weeks back that said that, hey, one of the leading indicators for how bad things get is if people don't show up at restaurants and bars. Of course, this was before the shut-in, right? <laughs> right. And the social distancing. But they said, you know, and also barbershops. And I had to point out that barbershops were actually not a leading indicator of problems mm-hmm. because people are still going to go to them. Now, that, now, that's not true under social distancing. You're not going to let a barber sit there and you know cut your hair. Uh, under the present uh, orders that we're under. But <laughs> the real lagging indicator in these types of crises is the Waffle House index. <laughs> the, the, the Waffle Houses are the termites and Twinkies of nuclear Armageddon. I mean, let's mm-hmm. face it, these things, these things never shut down. And back in, uh, in uh, Florida under Hurricane Charlie, which was August of 2004, Craig Fugate, who was the administrator of of FEMA since 2009, Mm -hmm. but back in 2004, he was the emergency uh, director of emergency management in Florida. He was the one that came up with the Waffle House Index, which is not something they publish, but it's something that FEMA pays very close attention to because if a Waffle House is shut down, there's actually a map they use. Red, yellow means they're open. Red means they're shut down. Yellow means they're open, but they're serving a, a limited menu. Green means they're open and operational. But Waffle House has an incredible set of protocols in place to stay open. And mm-hmm. so if we see a Waffle House go down, uh, as somebody tweeted, God in heaven, this is the end. <laughs> I mean, that's it. it. I think even in a nuclear Armageddon, you could probably still walk into a Waffle House and, and find one open. 
So you see, it's one of the it's one of the four horsemen of the new apocalypse. <laughs> it is. Uh, so yeah. yes, the Waffle House Index, a couple of great articles on it, but uh, it's really interesting. I mean, they bring in generators; they can get things back up and running, um, it, it, and their employees do really well in an emergency because of the tips, because their prices mm-hmm. are pretty cheap. I got a copy of their menu here; it's really unbelievably pretty cheap. But um, yeah, and FEMA FEMA tracks them heavily during disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that so well and uh, and it is a leading indicator in terms of people coming uh, back into the back as well so it's it's not just just uh, they're shutting down but they're also a leading indicator of oh things are going to get better in that particular area that's right that's right not only where they hit hardest but where are they coming back online you know like infrastructure and roads being back open and things like that so yeah, Waffle House man plays into this big time. So, yep. See, Waffle House is back open. That's a that's a good sign. I'm a I'm a smothered, covered, chunked, and peppered run. That's that's what I do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I haven't been to a Waffle House in probably over a decade. Oh well, see, we 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 make a pilgrimage once a year. There's one relatively close to us. And and we 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 go there, yeah. Uh, right. Smothered, covered, chunked, and peppered. Which is smothered is with grilled onions. This is the hash browns, with uh, grilled onions. Covered is with melted cheese. And I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a it's a craft American single. Is what it is. That's <laughs> we're not talking about you know none of that central market H E B nice the Whole Foods sliced cheese. No no no. This is processed. Uh, chunked, which has the hickory smoked ham, and then then of course the peppered is the jalapeno pepper. So uh, so it's a smothered, covered, chunked, and peppered. That's me. Wow. Yeah. You know, once I kind of found Cracker Barrel when I'm at, like in the South, I probably go to more Cracker Barrels and stop going to the. I know the locals call it the awful house, but uh. <laughs> look, the coffee is pretty decent. Uh, it, it's it's the endless cup you know you just yeah, order the coffee it once it keeps, it, it keeps coming yeah and they, uh, don't, and they and don't close no ever no yeah, yeah. i mean um what uh, one, one more article ed and i know i sent this to you but i just want to give a shout out to our readers so they can read it for themselves draw their own conclusions but it's from jim garrity uh he writes this thing in national review called the morning jolt comes out daily it's really worth reading he is truly a reporter i mean he's not you couldn't mm-hmm. say boots on the ground but he is he does do very very thorough reporting whether it's hospital capacity number of ventilators whatever it is he digs into he tries to do a really well balanced assessment and he did put together the comprehensive timeline of china's covid19 lies and it's just amazing i just i this i can't do this thing justice but on january 1st study of cell phone data, this out of the New York Times from China, showed that 175,000 people were leaving Wuhan that day. Um, and 21 countries have direct flights to Wuhan. I, I learned from somebody who spoke Chinese that it's Wuhan, not Wuhan. You're supposed okay. to say it with an O. Um, I, who knows? I don't speak Chinese. But um, anyway, uh, first quarter of 2019, uh, well, 175,000 people were, were let out of, of that city as of January 1st. And then they just kept lying about its human-to-human trans, transmissibility. It didn't, they said that it wasn't infectious human-to-human. 
Mm-hmm. And, and yet <laughs> the doctors on the ground were seeing it all the time because of the con, you know, my wife had it and she never visited the wet market or whatever. So mm-hmm. it just, it just documents all the lies and it's just, it's kind of shattering. I, I, I do think we're going to go after China for reparations. I really do. Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't know how Even that. Even if it's just rhetorically. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't know how it manifests itself in reality. I mean, they have they have a lot, a lot of our debt, so I guess we could just say, no, haha, we're not paying you back, but that won't go over well. No, that would um, that would affect other countries holding our debt and all of that. Yeah, but th- exactly. apparently, I heard some international lawyer saying you could bring a, a case in the you know international criminal court, which I'm against, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I do think we're going to start to see after this thing settles down, um, a lot more finger pointing and blame because, you know, we like to find the cause and then blame them. And that's going to be, at least rhetoric wise, that's going to be part of the political discourse going forward. I think we're going to see a couple other things coming out of this, Ron. I think we're going to we're going to see uh, heat sensitive gates um or uh t- people taking temperatures that are going on getting on airplanes absolutely I think they already do I that think in china i think i think i think it's going to be very difficult for if to, for you to fly with a fever or a sunburn by the way yep, yep. that's true yeah which is which is going to be problematic for people coming back from fl- vacations in florida and, and thing, things like that but i but i but i do think that we're gonna that we're gonna up up that security uh, and I, I, I'm just fearful that this, as once the whole never let a crisis go to waste, which unfortunately gets pinned on poor Rahm Emanuel. But Milton Friedman said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Well. So. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, yeah. When you land in China at least in Beijing, when I was there, you, you do walk through uh, various checkpoints that, that take your temperature. Mm-hmm. And um, best thing to do is, you know, half hour before you land, pop an aspirin. Yeah, good plan. Yeah. So yeah. you're, you're getting how to get around it, Ron. Thanks. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm accountant, Ed. We look for loopholes. What can I there say? There you go. Well, all right. Ed, this flew by what, what's up for next week? Ron, we are excited to announce that next week we are going to have our second interview with Dr. Paul Thomas and probably talk some COVID, but also update of his subscription-based business and direct primary care and some maybe his new thoughts on that. So look forward to that. Excellent. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. We have Dr. Paul Thomas on, somebody on the front lines, this whole COVID thing. And in the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll post full show notes and links to what we discussed today. Also, you can contact Ed or me at asktsoe.verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Stay safe and have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content. 